Pastor Jeff Hackelman from Huntsville, Texas. Let's give Jesus a hand clap, amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap. First of all, I want to give kudos to the present worship team. Wow, great, great, great job. If you want to worship God, this is the place to be. Amazing stuff. And, and we, uh, we are so proud of what uh, you guys are doing here as a church. Uh, it's just amazing. The spirit of the church, the spirit of love. I tell you, Brian and Crystal and their family, you know, we just can't say enough good things about them. You know, uh, he made a very important point, and... Uh, and that is, is, you know, who really makes a, a great pastor is a good church member. And I can tell you, Brian and Crystal Hallam and their family were great church members. Let me tell you, if you can't be a good church member, don't even think about being a pastor. If you can't serve somebody, then you're not, you're not in a place to lead. And you will reap what you sow. To the, to, and, 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 and if you serve like they've served, you're going to reap good seeds in the future. So you know God's going to be used in the future. So know the seeds you sow today. That's why you want to honor your parents. Because one day you're going to be a parent. Amen? <laughs> so run off that spirit of rebellion. And, and you young people, honor your parents. And, and, but I do. I celebrate uh, everything going on here. Happy birthday. It's amazing. And uh, we got the early crowd. We got the hungry crowd here. And uh, so I, mean, I love to preach to the early crowd. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I, I love what Brian said. He said... Uh, he talked about faith and how faith goes into another ram. And, and, and this is part of my message. I'm in the middle of a series right now. I'm, I'm going to be preaching that a part, small part of that series to you today. And, uh, but he said faith goes into another ram. It doesn't operate in this ram. It supersedes this ram. And it's so true. It is so true what he said. Because everything I'm going to talk to you about today, if you live by faith, then you bypass everything I'm about to say. There's different rams and so many amazing ways to serve God. I encourage you to start living by faith the day you get saved. But begin to do what I'm teaching you in this particular uh, moment that we're about to talk. I, I believe that what I'm about to say to you is, is vitally important. It's so life-changing. Uh, your theme is he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And I believe that. That's the story of our life. My, my wife and I and our family, he truly is a rewarder. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. And I grew up in church. And when I was probably about 18 or 19 years old, I asked the Lord because I, I, I saw a, a gospel being preached. But I also saw a lot of the people in the, in the, in the church not living the potential that the, that the gospel preaches and teaches in the New Testament. Victory and, and a lot of people were walking in defeat and healing and a lot of people walking in sickness and financially people were struggling. Relationally, a lot of people seemed to struggle. I said, Lord, you know, why, why, why is this? And when I was 18 or 19, I sat down for two hours and began to write. And what I'm about to tell you today was the beginning of that journey. Uh, because if you feel like I've been, you know what, it's a great camp meeting, but I got news for you. I have been diligently seeking, but it ain't happening the way that, that way. I'm waiting for some rewards. I'm going to help you today. In fact, let's clap because you're going to get some help today. We're going we're to deal with some stuff. 
I want to start off by saying, reminding everybody that as I teach this, remember you're a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body called an earth suit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body that we call an earth suit. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, we'll start with verse 3. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We just um, read something very similar over in Ephesians. Um, We walk in the flesh... But we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons, we do have weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's what I call the threefold process of bondage and destruction that, God, that the enemy does and brings in every person's life. The threefold process of bondage and destruction for every believer or every person. And, and you, it's right there in that verse. And you notice it's talking about spiritual warfare. And then it goes right into this, this thought and then imagination. In fact, you can look at it again. It says in verse uh, um, 4, the weapons of warfare are not carnal. We're talking about weapons. We're talking about spiritual warfare. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You can underline that, that stronghold there. Casting down, verse 5, imaginations, underline imaginations, and bringing into, uh, uh, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Underline the word thought. Thought, imagination, stronghold. You see, um, the enemy's goal is to bring strongholds in every believer's life, because if he can be, bring strongholds in your life, then he will begin to affect your ability to get the rewards that you get and deserve whenever you diligently seek the Lord. Those strongholds will begin to alter the blessings of God in your life. The strongholds that the enemy begins to set up in our world and set up in our life begin to alter the blessings, the victory, the, over, the ability to overcome, the ability to defeat our enemy. So his goal is to bring strongholds in our life. What is a stronghold? It's a secure place. It's a fortress. It's a lofty mindset. It's a secure place of influence that the enemy has in your life where he can come into your world and into your life as he so wills. Let me name a few strongholds that come into people's lives as they go forward. Uh, One uh, stronghold is fear. Fear is a stronghold of the soul. Jealousy is a stronghold of the soul. Lust is a stronghold of the soul. Pride. Lying, theft. Some people steal and they don't even need it, but they can't help themselves. They just keep on stealing. Poverty can be a stronghold. We're not talking about the way you live, but why and the causes of the way you live. Bitterness can be a stronghold. Addictions can be a stronghold. People can go in jail, get set free of drugs. They've been on them. They hated them. They didn't want to be on them. Get set free. How many of you believe after five months you're dry? Okay? How many of you believe your body's dry? Come right back out and go do the thing they despised, that they got off of, that they despised five months ago. Why? Because the addiction was out of the body, but the stronghold was still in the soul. Worry can be a stronghold. All kinds of insecurities. And that's just a short list. Fear. Jealousy, lust. Some people come to church and they can't even sit in a service and enjoy the service because their soul begins to go. You may be here, but your soul may not be here. And, and sometimes uh, uh, the, the, their mind begins to check out and go here and go there. 
And, you know, some of you, maybe you have, not you, but, but sometimes Christians have a, may have a, uh, a, a stronghold of jealousy. Somebody next to you gets blessed. Pastor Jeff drives up in a brand new F-250 Ford pickup truck. And you have a hard time enjoying the service because he said, man, that's a fine truck. And, uh, and other people around you, your relatives, your brother-in-law, your sister, she may get blessed. And now there's a stronghold of bitterness that's developed in your life or jealousy or something that's developed. Uh, and, and now that thing begins. And you say, why does the enemy want to put strongholds in my life? Why does he want to do that? Because when you begin to get strongholds in your life, <clears throat> number one, it begins to affect your behavior. Number two, it begins to affect your decisions. It begins to affect your attitude and your outlook on life. When you begin to get strongholds in your life, many people struggle financially because of a simple stronghold of fear. Opportunities come your way every week or every month, but you're not going to step out and take that financial opportunity because you failed or someone in your family failed 20 years ago and fear keeps you from becoming financially blessed because of a stronghold that's in your soul that keeps you from acting in faith and stepping to the next level. And so these strongholds affect our behavior, our decisions. And most of all, it, affect, it affects our belief system. As we begin to get strongholds in our soul, it begins to affect what I call our main frame, which is our belief system. It's the part of us that makes us who we are. It's a complex, it's a complex system of data and information and iniquities and all kinds of things that come together that makes you who you are. The people who raised you help contribute to that belief system. Did you know that you are very, very predictable? You are very, everyone in this building, you are so predictable. Why? Because you've already been pre-wired. You've already been pre-programmed. And certain people, even your kids know, they can push this button and push that button and whoo, there she goes. Your family members know. Some people that you work with know. Some people know they can push certain ways because you are pre-programmed. You react to certain things a certain way. You always have. And if you don't get a hold of what I'm preaching today, you always will. Because that belief system causes you to see life a certain way, act a certain way, and even react a certain way. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're, we're to deal with this, this thing today so that you can go forward from this day and stop, put a stop to the number one way the enemy operates in, our, in Christians' lives. We're going we're gonna to put a stop to it because this is it. This is not a thing. It is the thing. This is how the devil operates is in the battlefield or the battleground of the mind. In the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. So how does it work? You sow a thought, you reap an imagination. You sow an imagination, you reap a stronghold. You sow a stronghold, you reap a belief system. You sow a belief system, you start reaping certain behavior. You start sowing that behavior, you reap a lifestyle. You sow a lifestyle and you reap an eternal destiny. But it all begins with a thought. So I'm going to deal with these three things. Uh, uh, thought, imagination, 
strong. Some of you are thinking, why are you messing with my mind? Come on, Pastor Brian messes with my spirit and, and, and the church is always messing with my money and, and they're always messing with my life and my schedule and I'm up here volunteering. Leave my mind alone. That's my own private world. Well, today, when I'm done, it will not be your private world anymore. You are going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. In fact, if it's true, and I've already done a word study more than once on that number one commandment that Jesus gave the church, gave his followers. Our number one commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. You do your own word search on it. You'll find out all three of those deal with the soul. So the, the number one commandment that everything hangs on says, love the Lord your God with all of your Mind with all of your feelings, with all of your soul, and with all of your imagination. One of the words deals with thought and feelings. The other word deals with the imagination. And then the last word there it talks about to love the Lord God with your soul is the word suche, suche, which is the Greek word where we get psychology from. So literally, if that's true and it is a number one command, it raises the bar on what I'm about to tell you in the next few minutes. Because now it becomes the number one commandment. I think about John. He wrote to the church. He said, Beloved, I wished above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Think about that. That ties in with being a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I'm convinced if your soul doesn't prosper, you will not prosper and be in the health that you need to be. And so let's talk about it. Number one, a thought. It starts with thought. Everything begins with a thought. By the way, happy birthday, New Heights Church. Everything begins with a thought. Everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It started in someone's mind. If you can see it, it was in someone's mind first. This pulpit was in someone's mind. It didn't just show up. It was birthed in the soul before it became a reality. This building you're in, it was in somebody's mind. If you can see it, it was in somebody's mind first. Everything, everything begins with a thought. I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Pastor Jeff, you know, I live in a house and I've got trees in my front yard and those trees didn't begin with a thought, but oh yes, they did. God spoke this earth into being because it was in his mind first. It was in his mind first. And then he spoke it into being. And now that tree is a great, great, great grandson of the tree that God spoke into being. You got that? And so everything you see, the house you live in, it was in somebody's mind first. If you can see it, if you can touch it, if you can absorb it, everything starts. You see, it's your birthday this weekend. But I'm going to tell you, this church, because I sat down with Pastor Hallam. I sat down not four years ago, but four and a half years ago. Four, uh, four years ago plus eight months, six months, five months, month after month, we would talk. And he would talk about this church that he wants to birth in Brian. So listen, what's going on here, it was already in somebody's mind four and a half years ago. Because if you can see it, it was first in someone's mind. Everything that you do. Everything that happens in life starts with a thought. That's why I'm about to make a statement. You're going to have to just receive it and trust me. The most dangerous thing you will ever come in contact with in your whole life 
is one thought. You see, nobody just falls into sin. You know, they make statements, pray for brother so-and-so. He fell into adultery. He did not fall into adultery. He didn't fall in that bed. No, it lived up here. He thought about it up here. It was alive up here maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe five minutes, maybe six years. But it lived in the secret world of the soul before it ever became a reality out here. Nobody falls, I don't know, I just woke up and I was robbing that bank officer. I don't know what happened. No, it lived up here. Robbing that bank was planned out up here way before it became a reality. And if we can teach people to win up here, then they will always win out here. They will always win out here. If you can win up here, you will always win out here. If you lose up here, you will always lose out here. Because the soul is the command center. Your body just simply does what your soul tells it to do. In fact, if someone has a stroke, th that means that it didn't affect their body. It affected their brain, and that part of their body can't even be used because their soul can't even... The body still has strong muscles. They just had a stroke, and the muscles are healthy, but the soul can't talk to it and tell it what to do because the soul is the command center. Your soul allows your spirit to get saved. Your soul allows, your spirit doesn't run your show. Your soul is the command center. It calls all the shots and even gives permission for your spirit to actually manifest and, and, and operate in this world, in this, in this world that we know. So every, just think about it, every divorce that has ever happened began with one thought. Every broken family, every infidelity, every negative event that has ever happened every murder, everything that has ever happened, it all began up here. If we can teach people to win up here, they will never, ever lose. Amen? They'll never lose in life. Because you either win up here or you lose up here. And whatever happens in the world of the soul, everything else is just acted out. It just follows the path. I'm going to teach you today how to win up here. But just remember, everything begins with a thought. And in this verse, it tells you what to do. It says, arrest! Or bring into captivity every thought. So you literally have to arrest thoughts. There are thoughts that are going to be thrown at your mind. Thoughts that are going to be thrown at you. Thoughts. In fact, uh, Brian talked earlier. He said, take in the shield of faith. And in fact, it says above all. Above everything I've been telling you this whole, in this whole letter. Above everything I've been telling the church at Ephesus. And the church in College Station. Above everything I've told you. Above all, take that shield of faith. Then it tells you why. So that you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because why is that true? Because the reality is, is when we talk about thoughts is that you cannot stop all negative thoughts from coming into your life. You see, the devil is the god of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. Therefore, he has access to your soul. Now, I'm going to say that again. You cannot stop all negative thoughts. How many of you have ever been going along and you get this crazy thought? Come on, you can confess because I'm going to confess with you. And you get this crazy thought and you say, my God, where'd that thought come from? Come on, let me see your hand. Come on. Johnny, come up here, if you will. And, and, and so, let me tell you what the enemy does. And he'll never do it to you again after today. He'll throw that thought at you. Just kind of face the audience. He'll come and he'll throw this crazy thought at you. And, 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 and you know, I'm not going to give you the thought, but I'm going to say, he sends a fiery dart, okay? He sends the fiery dart. And then, and then it's just like, 
crazy. It's a crazy thought. And then he comes back and he gets on this side and he says, I can't believe you thought that. I can't. The devil begins to assault you for thinking his thought. It wasn't your thought in the first place. And he'll beat you up for thinking the thought that he threw in your brain in the first place. Don't ever let him do it again. He throws the thought. It's not your thought. It's his thought. And the Bible says that you're to take and arrest that thought as a criminal. And you're to take it and arrest it as a criminal. What does that mean? What does that mean? I, I, you know, if I had an officer here, I would have him come in and take Johnny and let him represent a thought and slam him on the floor and throw handcuffs on him and pick him up by those handcuffs and carry him out of the building and throw him out on the parking lot. This is not a good culture to do that right now, by the way. Amen. America's not ready for that right now. But I was going to do an illustrated sermon at our church, but I backed off because of the culture. But anyways, but that is what you're supposed to do with those thoughts that, that lift themselves against the will and the knowledge of God for your life. That is what we're supposed to do with those thoughts is to arrest as a criminal every thought. You cannot stop every thought. But let me just tell you, in fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. You cannot stop every negative thought, but you can minimize those thoughts. You see, be careful what you look at. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you are, who you hang out with. Listen, if your marriage is struggling and you're hanging out with the guys at the deer camp and they're all divorced and hate women, get a new deer lease. Amen? Quit listening to that junk because that, those thoughts are going to continue to wreak havoc in your marriage. Be careful who you hang out with. If you're hanging out with someone at your Pilates classes and she's been married seven times and thinks all men are from the pit of hell, go to a new Pilates class. Amen? Get away from those kind of thoughts. Find a new friend. Separate yourself from that stuff on the internet. Separate. Because listen, you cannot get rid of all negative thoughts, but you can minimize those thoughts. Don't help the enemy destroy you and set up strongholds in your life and affect your behavior and, and your belief system. Let's don't help the enemy. Let's help God. Let's help ourselves. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He says, he said, take, don't take that thought. He, he says that. The thought may come, but don't take it. Then He goes on and further than that and He says, why do you take thought? And I'm asking you that question here at New Heights Church. Number one, don't take those thoughts. And number two, why, why would you take that thought? These thoughts are going to come. The thoughts are going to come. Negative thoughts are going to come. And you've got to be careful about the thoughts that come with feelings and emotion. Uh, for example, if you get offended, someone does something to you. Can I tell you that if you come to church long enough and you're faithful and you get involved, you will get offended, okay? I'm going to say it again. <laughs> if you hang out with people in general, not just in church, if you hang out with people in general, you will get offended. Let me explain it to you. There's in church and in life, there's, there's frank people and then there's sensitive people. And when you get the frank people in the same room with the sensitive people, somebody eventually is going to get offended. That's just life. If you hang around your family, you know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, you hang around your family long enough, you might get offended. And those are the kind of thoughts you have to be the most careful with, is when they do something to you. Or how about to your children? How about to your wife? How about to your family? 
How about when they come and they, they, they do something to your children? Some of you guys, oh, no, I'm, I'm cool. But then they do it to your kids, and man, boom, immediately it becomes a major. And listen, whenever that begins to happen, because you see, an offense is, doesn't equate to unforgiveness. An offense is an event. Unforgiveness is something you care for the rest of your life. And just because someone offends you, that does not equate to unforgiveness. And I'm going to get to that in a moment because it deals with the imagination. But the third thing I want to say about thoughts, if you do not take your thoughts captive, they will eventually take you captive. If you don't take your thoughts captive, the most dangerous thing you will ever come in contact with for your whole life is thoughts. And that brings us, number two, to the imagination. You see, the enemy throws the thought, but then you and only you can make it an imagination. Listen, I gave you an out on the first one. You can oh, you, you, On the first one, the thought, blame it on the devil. But on the second one, you can't blame it on anybody, okay? Because the enemy throws the thought, but you and only you make it an imagination. The devil may have offended you or sent somebody to offend you, but you made it unforgiveness and you made it baggage that you carry for the rest of your life. The enemy may have sent somebody along and sent a thought of jealousy, but now you're jealous of everybody that gets blessed and you turned it into baggage that lasts for the rest of your life. So the imagination... The enemy throws the thought. It becomes an imagination. I'm telling you, this next verse, it says, number one, uh, arrest thoughts. And number two, cast down imaginations. If something happens in your life or a thought comes to your life, you've got to be good if it becomes an imagination to turn around and cast that thing down. You've got to be good at it. Say, so what does that mean? Let me say it this way. If you go home today and you pull up in the driveway and your front door is open that much and you see three rattlesnakes climbing up the driveway and they go right into the door. How many of you ladies are just going to go on in and say, honey, what do you want for lunch? And, let's, let's t- and then, then tonight when it's time to go to bed, how many of you ladies are just going to say, oh, it's time for bed? How many of you ladies are never even going to go into that house until those rattlesnakes are like in another world like, like hell, amen? <laughs> like until they're dead. And then you'll have a hard time sleeping for a while. Because, you know, you have this certain thought about rattlesnakes. Can I tell you, a thought is way more dangerous than three rattlesnakes in your house. But yet, we'll get so serious about rattlesnakes in our house, but be so laxed about thoughts that live in the realm of the soul. And so I'm telling you today, if the enemy can defeat you, this is the way he's going to do it. It's going to throw the thought, and you take the thought. And if you incubate the wrong thoughts, then you will eventually give birth. That's why we have to incubate good thoughts. We have to incubate good thoughts because unmanaged thoughts will create sickness of the soul. Unmanaged thoughts that are not arrested or not cast down will begin to cause. And see, that's the challenge with the body of Christ is we have many people who have their other areas, they may, even spiritually they may be healthy, but if your soul is sick, it don't matter. You're going to struggle and you're going to be trying to serve God, but the soul is just running wild and there are strongholds and imaginations going on and, and that's the area the enemy's defeating you in and you thought spiritual warfare was out there somewhere when the reality is the spiritual warfare is in a world that you haven't even thought about and haven't even dealt with and it's all going on right there and the enemy is defeating you in an area of your life 
that's holding you in fear, that's holding you in unforgiveness, that's holding you in doubt, that's holding you in unbelief, that's keeping you from going forward and keeping you from reaping in those areas that you want to reap and rewarding where you need to get rewarded. So it's almost like, like, it's like if we do not manage our thoughts, it becomes like a virus inside of us. When a virus gets in you, it causes you to start not being as strong as you need to be and not being as healthy as you need to be. And, and it's kind of like even like a computer virus. You know, when, when, a compute, when a computer gets a virus, in fact, I'm not that up on what viruses do to computers, so I looked it up on the Internet, and we know the Internet's always correct, right? <laughs> so I looked it up on the Internet. I'm going to tell you what it said about a computer virus, because this is what's going on in many Christians' lives, what I'm about to tell you right now. There is a virus running wild in people's lives. It's a virus of the soul and it's running wild and it's doing certain things. And it's, like I said, people even check out of a church service and they're, they can't even enjoy a good, a powerful, amazing 30-minute sermon. Amen? I'm waiting for an amen on that. Be- because, because their soul won't let them. Because they're checking out in the middle of the church service. And they wonder, why can't I get blessed like other people get blessed? Why can't I receive the reward the way other people receive the reward? So this is what a computer virus does to a computer. Number one, it corrupts the files. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't have any corrupted files. (laughs) Come on, look at them like you mean it this time, okay? Look at them like you're saying, I don't have any corrupted files. I'm going to just quote what it says on the internet. Um, it, it, it interrupts traffic. How many of you know the enemy wants to keep us? There's a lot of traffic going on up here, and the devil wants to interrupt our traffic. He wants to interrupt the traffic. He wants to interrupt. He doesn't want you thinking. See, the soul is the incubator for God's thoughts, so you can dream God's dreams. And, 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 and dream about building a church and dream about building your family. And, and, the, and the enemy has made a bid for the souls of America. And that's why he's trying to take over the souls. I'm talking about the mind, will, and emotions of this generation. And that's why he's taken over the media, the sight and sound generation. This particular generation will see more images in one month than your great-great-grandparents saw in a lifetime. Because the enemy's making a bid for the souls of this generation. So it, it interrupts traffic. It takes over the basic functions of your operating system. That virus gets in and suddenly even the basic functions of your, of your life start being altered. It can cause a crash. It steals information. It can, it can eventually take over and begin to attack other computers. Just think about it. It's very subtle in its attack. Its goal, its goal is that the virus is wanting to affect as many other systems as possible. That's the goal of the author. And the ultimate goal is to eventually allow the author to take over the system and use it for its own purpose. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I might as well say it because it's right here on the, on the Internet. If the enemy can get enough strongholds in your life, you will become his tool, and he will use you for his own purpose. And that's why we're not going to let him get in there and work on our belief system, work on our soul. He's not going to work on any of that stuff. Amen? Amen. And so uh, with the imagination, you say, what do I do, Pastor Jeff? Well, let's use our imagination to think on good thoughts. Amen? Let's commit our mind to the Word of God. 
I love what Romans chapter 12 says. Uh, you know, I present you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your body to living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. That's your body. Then it says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're talking about today. Be not conformed, but be you transformed. Be not conformed, but be you transformed. That word transformed is the, is the uh, Greek word metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis. We are all familiar with it in the realm of a, of a butterfly and a caterpillar. And so, you know, you look at a caterpillar and you say, there's no way that guy is related to that beautiful butterfly, okay? Some of you have family members like that, amen? <laughs> there's no way that guy is related to that. But you know what? If you go through a metamorphosis, you can't even, you, you can't ever, 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 ever judge anything if it's willing to go through transformation. And so what we do is we, and I can't tell you, well, you're going to have a lot of caterpillars come in this church, okay? You're going to have a lot. Of, we've had a lot of caterpillars. I'm not going to say that uh, a Brian or a Larry was a caterpillar. I mean, they were butterflies before they showed up. But we've had a lot of caterpillars come into our church. And a lot of caterpillars pray. They see butterflies flying around the church. And they say, I want to be a butterfly. I want to be a butterfly. And they ask God to make them a butterfly. But if God gave you wings right now, you wouldn't be a butterfly. You would be a flying caterpillar. <laughs> okay? See, you're asking God to do something and make you something that you can become, but you don't get that way by praying. You get that way by transformation. That's why we're having a, a, a camp meeting this week. That's why we have church every Wednesday, every Sunday. Is because, listen, you don't... I, I, if I saw a flying caterpillar coming to me, I would run the other direction. And I have ran from some people, okay? I have ran because they're trying to be something. They're, oh, God, make me... I want to have that life. Uh, I'm a, you said you're a rewarder of, of, of them that diligently seek me. Lord, I've been diligently seeking you for two weeks. Make me a butterfly. I want to experience life the way a butterfly experiences life and float through the air and have everybody look at me and ooh and all over me. And the way I can see from a different perspective, I'm tired of just living a life stuck on a little limb right here. I want to live life like a butterfly. And if God took you and answered your prayer, you would not be... A, you see, you're asking to experience life as a butterfly, but you're a caterpillar. Even if God gave you wings and tried to make you a butterfly, you're still a caterpillar, and caterpillars experience life different than a butterfly. You just can't experience it that way. Even if you had wings and you tried to paint it up and look like a butterfly, caterpillars feel differently. They see differently. They experience differently. You've got to change and go from a caterpillar to a butterfly, which means you've got to spin your own cocoon. You've got to spin your own cocoon. You've got to say no to golf on Sunday morning. You've got to say no to the shopping mall on Sunday morning. You've got to say no. You've got, no, it's not a matter of prayer. It's a matter of you renewing your mind to the point to where you go through a transformation process until you have spun your cocoon and one day if you'll keep coming to church make a commitment for at least a year be here every time the doors open you can experience life everybody can that's born again like a butterfly but you got to be willing 
to go through the metamorphosis process. And that's what you do with your imagination is you use your imagination, commit your mind to the Word of God, and go through the process. Amen? Amen? So I got a few things to say and I'm done. Just a few quick things. And, and I have a lot more to say, but I got to say a few things. Amen? I've got a month's worth of things to say, okay? And, uh, but let me just say a few things to you. Um, if need be, my next point about your imagination, if need be, pull out the big guns. And that's simply this. There are sometimes you can't outthink the devil. It just gets to be too much. And if that's the case, start using your tongue and speaking the word of God. Don't try to outthink the devil all the time. Start confessing the word of God and speaking the word of God and use the big guns and it will defeat your mind every time. This is a little exercise and you don't have to do it now. I may do it in the second service. But in your mind, if you count to 10, in fact, let's go ahead and do it. In your mind, everybody, you can close your eyes if you want to. Count to 10 in your mind. Don't say it, just in your mind. In your mind, not out loud. I'm going to do it out loud, but you do it in your mind. Count one, two, three, four, five, in your mind. Okay, now stop. Did you succeed? If you did, shout hallelujah or something. Now I want to do it again. Let's try it one more time. I want you to start counting in your mind right now. Count to ten. Go. Say Jesus. Say it out loud. Say Jesus. The moment you said Jesus, your mind stopped counting because it's impossible to keep counting when you start speaking. It's it's physically impossible to do it. And when you pull out the big guns, you shut this stuff down and you take over and you start trumping everything that's going on in your mind. So if need be, if need be, hey, if you're having a tough time casting them down and arresting them, just pull out the big guns. Amen? And start using your time. And let me just say, so number one, arrest any thoughts. Guys, you cannot let those thoughts have have their way in your life. You've got to arrest those thoughts because they will, if you don't arrest the thoughts, they will eventually bring you into bondage and arrest you. Arrest any thought. Number two, cast down imaginations. And number three, pull down strongholds. Let me just tell you, it's a lot easier to cast down a thought than it is, or, or arrest a thought than it is to pull down an imagination. It's a lot easier to pull down an imagination and arrest a thought than it is to pull down a stronghold. So what am I saying to you? It takes the anointing of God to break a stronghold. It takes the anointing of God to break a stronghold. What am I saying to you? Once again, bondage is a process. Sin is a process. We're not going to let the devil do it to us ever again. No more strongholds for new heights. No more stronghold. The devil's never going to set up a stronghold of fear, of, 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 of depression. Never a stronghold ever again of any of those things, unforgiveness or anything, because we are going to put a stop to it in Jesus' name. But um, it takes the anointing to break a stronghold. And, and I, I, in the second service, I'm going to lay hands on anybody that wants, because I have an anointing. I'm, do, do I? Yes, okay, good. <laughs> Make sure it's all right. I didn't mention this yet. But um, I thought he said, don't do that. And, uh, and uh, no, I'm in a Holy Ghost church. Amen. And, uh, but I've, we've literally laid hands on people all over the world and we've broken strongholds. When we lay hands on you, immediately you're going to see a difference. That fear is going to be gone. That lust will be gone. But you have to make a commitment. You have to make a commitment that you will not go back and look at that same stuff. And, enter, and you will not use your imagination to rebirth the thing that's been broken off of your life. I promise you there's an anointing on us, me and my wife, to break strongholds. But once it's broken, you cannot go back and rebuild the same stronghold that was broken off of you. 
God's serious about this stuff. God is so serious about it. Jesus bled in eight places. Jesus bled in eight different places. He bled in his feet. He bled in his hands. He bled in his side. His feet, so wherever you go, will be blessed. His hands, so whatever you touch, will be blessed. His side, so all your relationships. Every place Jesus bled has a great relation to your life. In his side, so all the relationships will be blessed. He sweated drops of blood and the garden, so stress will never take your life over. He bled in his beard. They pulled his beard out so that your appearance, he called the Bible calls it his visage, but so that you would feel good about your appearance. That God would put a glow on your life. So many people in our world are concerned about their appearance. Listen, Jesus, he, he bled in the face so that your appearance could be great in Jesus' name. He was bruised so that if, if you hurt, if you've been wounded on the inside, you're going to have inner healing in Jesus' name. He took stripes on his back so that we could be healed. He took a crown on his head so that we could get our crown back that the devil stole. We get our crown back. We get back on the throne. We get back in charge so that we can tread the serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. But I close with this. I don't want to talk necessarily about where Jesus bled. I want to talk about where Jesus bled. I don't want to talk about where Jesus bled. I want to talk about where Jesus bled. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't want to talk about where Jesus bled. I want to talk about where Jesus bled. I've been to Israel, I think, four times now. I've been to a place. I told you my title today was Golgotha. I've been to a place, and it's a hill that has two sunken eyes. It literally, they said it's been like that for millennial. It's a hill that looks like a skull. It's called Golgotha. In Latin, it's called Cal- It's called Calvary. Calvary literally means place of the skull. People that call themselves Calvary Church, it's place of the skull church, okay? <laughs> I guess I forgot that. But anyways, but it literally means, you can look it up in the word, it literally means place of the skull. So that Jesus, out of all the places on the planet, he found the one place on the planet that looks like a skull. And he said, I know where man one day for the rest of eternity will fight his battles. And I choose to stick my cross and to shed my blood in the very place of their battleground. I choose to let my blood drip into the very heart and soul of the place they will fight all of their battles, which is in the battlefield. If you'll bring that to me, Johnny. I'm going to just give you a little word picture here. Johnny looked in the bag and he went, whoa, whoa. He he thought I was bringing candy or something. And I... This is a picture. This is a picture. Golgotha. That's my style. Place. Put your hand on your head. Golgotha, the place of the skull. You'll win in life or you'll lose in life. Now, you can learn to live by faith. And you see, faith is not of the, of, of the mind or the soul. Faith is of the heart and the spirit and of the mouth. If you learn to live by faith, you can start becoming spiritually mature almost immediately. It's a whole other path. If you want to, in addition to that, we must have spiritual growth and spiritual transformation if we're going to truly stay overcomers all the time. That's the path I'm talking about today. And Jesus shed his blood. This is what it would have looked like on that day. Do you think maybe, maybe, I don't know, God might have been saying something. Just maybe, just maybe. He was saying, you know what, I'm not going to just talk about your battle. I'm going to get right in the middle of your battlefield. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to give the greatest sacrifice right in the place where you will fight all of your battles, where you will, where you will learn to, to win in life and learn to overcome. And the place the devil says he has access, I'm going 
will shed my blood in that place. He does not get to meet you in that place ever again. I will shed my blood in Golgotha when you're at the place of the soul. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for helping us. We thank you, Lord, for your plan, plan of redemption, plan of helping us to be overcomers in every way. And Lord, I thank you that you shed your blood in the most strategic place on the planet as it, as it relates to us as believers. Ask you, Lord, and I'm going to ask everyone in this building right now. In fact, say it with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I make a commitment today. I commit my soul. I choose to love God with my heart, my soul, and my mind. In Jesus' name, I choose to think God's thoughts. And I arrest any thought that lifts itself against the will of God for my life. And I choose to cast out any imagination that would try to hinder my walk with God. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus on Golgotha, the place of my skull. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I speak freedom right now over every soul. I speak to strongholds of fear, strongholds of lust, strongholds of unforgiveness, strongholds of bitterness strongholds of insecurities and, and there's numerous ones and I call New Heights Church free of those strongholds in Jesus name that they'll walk out of this building being able to think freely for the first time many of them in decades they will not be captivated with lust, they'll not be captivated with unforgiveness, they'll not be captivated with bitterness, they'll not be captivated with jealousy, they'll not be captivated with thoughts about, insecure thoughts about themselves, and am I good enough, or do I think good enough, or am I this, or am I that? Lord, they'll walk out of this building free, I call them free over their soul.